Hi, everybody. You're listening to Whose Games Is This? This is the podcast where somebody comes on, they play a game they haven't played before, and then they talk about it with someone who has. Quick side note from me in the future editing this podcast. I realize I never said my name. Uh, My name is Seth. Uh, Usually what we do is that I'll come on, I'll host it, and I have one of my friends come on. We talk about a game they haven't played before. They play a little bit of it. It could be two hours. It could be the whole thing, just depending on the game and how much it takes for them to get a feel for it and form some opinions. And then they come back, talk about it, talk about if they even want to keep playing the game. But this week's a little bit different. This week I'm back visiting my family for the summer. And this week I'm actually not going to be hosting. I'm, I'm still going to be on it, but I'm going to be the guest. And actually the host is going to be my older brother, Aaron. I'm glad you considered me to be one of your friends. What? I guess you open it up going like, oh, I have one of my friends come on. Well, I'm I said, like, oh, I, I'm I said me that way. I said this is different than the usual format. <laughs> I said this is a, a kind of a deviating week from the, the norm. Yeah. Well, anyways, this week, I'm going to be introducing Seth to The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. I originally played it on PC, but it is now on PlayStation 4, and I'm a new PlayStation 4 owner, so like go. two days ago. Like two days ago. Brand spanking new. Wow. Also, one of the things that's hilarious about this is that you got Destiny as one of your first games. It came, okay, it came with the PlayStation 4. I wasn't intentionally going to go out and buy Destiny, but so far it's the game I've sunk the most time into. I just like, Destiny is one of those games that I've never actually heard anybody speak positively about, or at least not until The Taken King came out. But up until then, it seemed like no one spoke positively. Everybody just either didn't play Destiny or the ones that played Destiny just like got on and they're like, oh, I got to get... Gotta get this drop today. I gotta go do this mission today. I gotta do all these things. My experience with Destiny before I had it was it felt like it ex- it's existed forever. Yeah, that's but it's just thing. existed. There was no positive or negative about it. It just it seemed like there was no real reason to play unless you had friends that were playing it. Exactly, but, but it's it's a fun. But game. everyone that played Destiny just made it sound like it wasn't like a fun thing they chose to do. It just made it seem like oh, it's just something I gotta do. I can kind of see how that is just because like from my experience in playing it it's just a mission after mission after mission of just going around and shooting wave after wave of enemy it's just not i mean it's fun the gameplay is tight the shooter mechanics are tight but overall i mean whatever the you can you just blaze through the story in this game i like how they're trying to get history in it by like rasputin being some like what? alien being or something to save her. I don't know. I'm super early in the game, so I'm sorry if wow, I'm spoilers. just butchering that. Spoilers. I am two hours into the game storyline. Oh, speaking of spoilers, there aren't going to be any spoilers in our discussion of the game and everything beforehand, but then after I play it, I plan on playing the whole game, but we'll see how it goes. Oh, we're going to go into some spoiler territory. Yeah, exactly. Like, there has to be. It, there are going to be spoilers. So I know nothing about the vanishing of Ethan Carter, which I hear is probably the best way to go into the game, but... Mm-hmm. I guess tell me a little bit about who made it and and stuff. It was developed by a Polish studio called the Astronauts. The founder of the studio has worked on several games, Bulletstorm, uh, Gears of War Judgment, and those were with his other two studios. This is his new studio that he is working out of. And Vanishing of Ethan Carter just sort of came out of nowhere Yeah. in that... It was a VR game before VR was kind of even the talk of the town in that it's... Was it actually a VR game or just... It's now a VR game. It it had to be patched to be a VR game. But when it originally came out in 2014, that was not the case. It is very much about 
environment. Okay. It's a very small, very limited environment, but it's all about the immersive experience in that environment and solving the different sorts of puzzles. Like, if you wanted to go from one end of the map to the other without involving yourself in any of the puzzles or anything, that could maybe take three minutes total. Mm -hmm. There are no load screens. It's just one continuous map that you can go in and out of all these different houses. But that's not how you play the game. It's all about getting in it's all about getting into all the weird details seeking out things exploring this little miniature rural wisconsin world that you're in okay i'm guessing at some point someone named ethan carter did vanish yes there is a there's a little boy his name is ethan carter he hires a hey you don't hey 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 you don't have to tell me the story listen i can find it out all right on my own Fine. There you go. You you you're gonna go in completely blind That's in this I, one, and it's like. it's fantastic to do so. <clears throat> now, this is part of that walking simulator sort of genre of game. Oh, that's good. What um what exactly experience do you have with walking simulators? And if you want to elaborate outside of that genre, what what experiences in your video game history stand out the most to you, and why were those so impactful for you? So I guess I'll start with the first one. As far as walking simulators go, I have a decent amount of experience. I mean, I played Gone Home, and that's probably one of my favorite mm-hmm. games, and that's like the one that popularized the term walking simulator because when people were like, oh, this thing that doesn't give you like points or shit, doesn't even have a platinum trophy, Greg Miller. Fucking <laughs> Greg Miller getting so up up in arms about Gone Home not having a platinum. Yeah, I know. But uh, just people getting really upset about this game where you just walk around and you find stuff. And you figure out a story that way, mm-hmm. being awarded like Game of the Year and being seen as, oh, this is a new format of narrative storytelling and mm-hmm. this is a new mm-hmm. way of telling a story. People getting really up in arms about that and, and derogatorily referring to these games as walking simulators. I guess Gone Home did start the term just because of the way people reacted Gone to Gone Home or Dear Esther, both of them kind of came out in that same time frame. Where I didn't people... know Dear Esther was in that same time frame. Yeah, Dear Esther... Um... Dear Esther was, it's the first walking simulator that I can remember. I mean, I bought it on like a Steam sale or something yeah. like that. I mean, it was, it was cool, I guess. It, it was just more, much more of like a tech demo okay. than anything. There wasn't a whole, it wasn't this groundbreaking experience like yeah. uh, Gone Home or Vanishing of Ethan Carter or I've heard uh, Everyone's Gone to the Rapture is another one of those That's really, really another one ones. I was going to talk about. I did play that one maybe last year. Yeah, actually, I think it was at the beginning of this year. I wrote a bit about it. The game's really interesting in the stuff that it does. I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about it too much because I think we were talking about maybe you playing. Uh, yeah, I've never, I haven't played that one or Gone Home, so. They're both really great, but you kind of need to know nothing about the story for both. Mm-hmm. And everybody's gone to the Rapture. Of course, it is like you walking around this quiet British town, and of course, everybody's everybody's gone. No one's there, so it's it's kind of about you figuring out how it happened you don't mm-hmm. know what happened mm-hmm. you also got to figure out what it is and the whole game is actually kind of cool uh because there's like a trail of light that guides you and whenever you get to a certain area where something did happen in the past like a, a interaction between two characters that's important this trail of light will form just this ball that's kind of flashing and surging at you and you have to activate it so that it ex- like expands and creates these silhouettes of light of all the different characters mm-hmm. and basically recreates these these key narrative moments mm-hmm. and these these little looks into the the life that happened in the smaller village. 
Uh, Vanishing of Ethan Carter definitely has some stuff like that yeah. in this game. The main character you play as, he is a supernatural detective. So he has some weird abilities to be... He has some sort of clairvoyance. It's never fully explained yeah. or elaborated. It's just he's able to sense things. Okay. Like, just from the offset at the very beginning of the game. Is it... Is the protagonist, uh, like, outspoken? Or is it... He's... Or do you have to kind of just... Is it just another quiet first person? No, it's not dude? a quiet first person. He self-narrates... Okay. Almost as if he's writing like a book. Oh, so about it's like it. you're playing his experiences that he's remembering as he writes about them. Mm -hmm. Like when I first played it, I thought he was like the way I envisioned it was kind of like an Alan Wake almost video game where it's like this thriller writer like ex like going through this big supernatural event. That's what I thought was happening, yeah. which is not it, it's not the case. He's he's an actual detective, not a detective noir author okay it does strike me a little bit as alan wake just in i guess a bit of the tone of the game yes tone is definitely one of the highlights of the yeah. game it's from the begin from the start of the game it's one of the most beautiful games i've ever seen granted i've never i haven't played uncharted 4 yeah I was about yet. To say, you that, still, you just, still that literally just came out you still haven't played uncharted 4 but I mean, this what's game the, what's the point of photorealism after uncharted 4 i mean if vanishing of ethan carter can make a case if it's a two-year-old game with photorealism already it's yeah it's it's fantastic we'll but does it have a grappling hook it does not have a grappling or a hook. winch it has a crank in the first nope, five minutes nope. of the game not neither grappling hook nor winch it okay. doesn't count well with the beauty of the game set in rural Wisconsin, you're in the mountains, you're in the forest, you go through this really quiet little sleepy town and everything, and it's the contrast between that very natural, surreal beauty with the horrors that you're going to see in the game. Whoa, whoa, you see horrors and a tale about kidnapping? Yeah. Spoilers. It's, Watch yeah. it, pal. We talked about Uncharted for just a very brief second, jokingly, but you also asked about some of my greater, like, gaming history and moments that stand out. I guess something just beyond the general walking simulator, mm -hmm. even though I do love games like Gone Home and stuff. In high school, I started getting more and more into video games that were more narrative-based, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a humongous uh, step toward that for me was Uncharted 2. Uh, we already did the Uncharted 2 episode, but it, it was one of my, it was my favorite game for a little bit. Uh, well, I say a little bit. It was my favorite game for a while. Uh, it was the first game I got on my PS3, and as I said in the Uncharted 2 episode, you can go back and listen to it. It's probably the game I put the most hours into, because even though it is this linear narrative, uh, a lot of the gameplay, the stealth mechanics, all these kind of wider, open areas of enemies, I would just go and just replay and try to get through like as stealthily as possible, or just replay the game and use the different like tweaks, whether it be like a no-gravity mode or the different character suits, like Donut Drake. Donut Drake. Oh, rest in peace, Donut Drake. R.I.P. Donut Drake. But, um... Shit, I'm trying to think of something to say about that. <laughs> uh, glazed but not forgotten. That's not funny. That's not funny. But, uh, Uncharted 2 is, was really formative for me. And also, that was around the time that I started playing a lot of, like, Metal Gear Solid. I played through all those games up mm -hmm. till 4. I think that was around the time Peace Walker came out, but I played actually out of order... I, it was in this time when I would just go to GameStop, get a used game for like $20, and then say, ah, I don't know about this after beating it in a few days, and you saw that seven day return window, mm, so I'd take it mm. back, exchange it for another $20 used game, and just keep doing this shit over and over until dad was like, Seth, like, fucking pick something. <laughs>
Uh, one of the games that I did that for was Metal Gear Solid 4, and I think that's one that I ended up keeping just because the game is so fucking long. Uh, mainly is in, in cutscenes. There are like 45-minute cutscenes in that mm-hmm. game. Uh, I mean, only toward the end when the story starts picking up. But, I mean, you actually start playing and it doesn't... Like, you're you're involved, though. It's mm-hmm. not just you just being forced to watch these things. Like, you do want to watch it, I guess, if you've made it up to that point in the story. But I hadn't played any of the games at that point. I ended up just going on Wikipedia and just searching the synopses of all the Metal Gear Solids up to it, which I know a great way to experience those games. that Great have way to like... experience some of the most pivotal and important games ever made. I mean, that isn't necessarily in terms of story. Uh, their story is always just ridiculous, but just the ridiculousness and intricacy yeah. of their story about, like, fucking... I don't even know how to describe it. It's just why it's the most anime-ass video game you'll ever play. Yeah, I've heard it's very... I'm just playing through them for the first time. Um, Just going off that, how would you play through the games? Would you do them chronologically through release date? Would you do them chronologically story-wise? Okay, so for people that don't know, Metal Gear Solid is this uh, series. It's like the subtitle on all of them is Tactical Stealth Espionage. And... It's Even you, though as they progress more and more, they get much more away from the espionage yeah, part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but the first game takes place in the 80s. The second game is a direct sequel to the first game. And it's all about like you sneaking onto like bases and stopping like weird military corporations with like vampires and people that can control your game system. Giant nuclear-powered mechs called Metal Gears. Yeah, just these just fucking weird stuff. It's like all these 80s action movies just, like, melted together. Yeah. And all these different plot lines just kind of coalesced. So the second game takes place right after the first game. Then the third game is, like, you play someone related to the main character of the first two, but in the Cold War instead of the 80s. Or it was the 90s, I guess, was when those first two took Mm -hmm. place. And then the fourth one takes place after all of them. And then the fifth one takes place... Back to the 80s. No, it takes place... Well, yeah, it's in the 80s, but it takes place after the third one, after the Cold War. So a lot of jumping around. Yeah, a lot of jumping around in time. And that's not even talking about, like, the little spin-off handheld portable games, yeah. Metal Gear Peace Walker, Metal Gear Portable Ops. Yeah, so this is some good audio we're doing right now, some really interesting stuff that we're talking about. We're all, we're going, we're yeah. deep, deep diving. Deep diving. I played through the games, though. So I played through the fourth one first, then I went there and I played everything else chronologically, just because the fourth one was, I don't know, it was the one that I could play on the PS4, mm-hmm. or the PS3 at the time. And then I borrowed uh, the the other games from a friend, so... And I still haven't beat Metal Gear Solid Five. It's just like it's too much. Too much as in how? Like too much to do, too difficult. It's just like so many things are going on. You're this military leader, and you're building up your base and everything. And you go through these missions. You collect mm-hmm. materials and stuff, and you can see your effect. Like the materials you collect can develop new weapons. Different upgrades that you make can make your gameplay better. And you start seeing all these different things that you do impact other things like you can unlock different types of trees of unlocks for guns you can expand your platforms on your your base and all that stuff so it's very involving but there's so many things going on that if you like put down the game for a week and you try to pick it back up you don't remember what you're trying to do what you're doing how to do it so it's a very involving game but once you get out of it it is very difficult to get back in uh and there's a lot to do is the other thing now i want to get back to kind of vanishing of ethan carter more just difficulty 
in games. How are you with difficulty difficult games? Now, are you a Dark Souls fan or are you not a Dark Souls fan? I'm not. Well, I haven't played Dark Souls and I've kind of been intrigued to play Dark Souls, but I feel like I'd be horrible at Dark Souls. Like if I die in a game and I have to replay a level, I I hate it. I hate replaying things. Mm -hmm. I hate just like going back and having to do things over and over again. I'm, I feel like I'm competent. Um, maybe not the best at, like, very difficult. Because mm -hmm. the reason I ask that is because the very opening of the game starts with, this is an experiential game, this game does not hold your hand. Well, the first time I played this game, that line just really rubbed me the wrong way, because you hear all the time, it's like, oh, this game does not hold your hand. Oh, this game is so difficult, especially yeah. now that we're living in this crazy world where dark souls 3 is like a top selling game and this re it's a very niche game when you get yeah. down to it a game yeah. that is intentionally does not want you to beat it yeah a game that's intentionally made for you to die a lot and have to replay things and maybe break a controller mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but this game vanishing of ethan carter it's it's not in the sense it doesn't hold your hand in that it will impede your progress and it will intentionally make the game harder. It doesn't hold your hand in that the same way like a lot of the earlier indie games were kind of playing around with the idea of games. Like in the offset of Super Mario Brothers, you know instinctively just to keep running right. Yeah. You never question, oh, I can go, I can just turn around, go left, turn back. This game plays around with that in that it opens up and you see a narrow trail, but there's nothing prompting you to go down that trail. You can either go to your left, you can go to your right, you can go whatever direction you yeah. want until there's some natural barrier that prevents you from going out past that point. It there's a, It's difficult in the sense of there's a huge amount of freedom in this game. Yeah. And it will make the puzzles difficult, <laughs> Okay, I'm afraid to say, because you have to look around the entire the entirety of the section. There are natural barriers kind of breaking up levels or breaking up puzzles within it, and so you kind of have to stay in those contexts, but you just have to go around, solve the puzzles, and just, I mean, experience the game. I like whenever games have those bigger environments that they kind of let you explore. It's just something that I've noticed that I really like. Actually, I was okay, so I was playing through Uncharted 4, which came out about a week ago. About a week ago! Yeah. week ago! Yeah, free Bobby. Bobby Schmerdo. I was playing through Uncharted 4, and something that those games always do is that they have... It's a very guided narrative experience and a very guided linear thing, but they always have these offshoots and different ways of going about things. And Uncharted 4 had a bit of a different approach where they... I mean, it's the same basic concept of, oh, you're going to go to this place, mm -hmm. but you can kind of deviate and go down this hallway and find, like, a little collectible. Kind of like uh, or you Last can of Us. Yeah, or you can go down this hallway and get maybe a, a, just a different vantage point on a situation uncharted 4 did the same thing but opened it up and made it where there were these these larger open areas that you mm -hmm. could explore and these larger open areas that you're still at the end of the day gonna go from the opening of it through the large area to the one path out of the open area but the open areas like of course there are going to be different paths through there there's going to be different collectibles and stuff and I found myself actually playing Uncharted 4 and spending a lot of time just trying to find, like, any little hidden crevices, mm -hmm. any little hidden things. So I like that, but I feel like maybe in a game like Vanishing of Ethan Carter, where it is very open, it may be a little bit different and a little bit difficult for me. Just because I do like seeing everything and knowing just, like, where everything is in the map. Mm -hmm. But if it's a humongous open world, 
that's just like impossible. It's not or impractical. It's not humongous in the sense that like Bloodborne, whatever you see in the game, you can go straight towards. There's like no really no barriers within that game. It's much more you're on the top of like a mountain type thing or you're on the top of a dam you obviously like your character will obviously not be able to just jump off the side of the dam wow. and the game unrealistic type stuff but like there there are some natural barriers within it that act kind of on your subconscious of being afraid of heights or just it leads you in certain directions but it allows for exploration it rewards that exploration i would say it's a very different game Okay. Very trippy in a lot of ways. Trippy. It yeah. It's you'll you'll understand within okay. the by the second puzzle you'll get it. Okay. I usually don't like the word trippy. I know it's kind of a weird loaded word, but it's that's what I that's what I was thinking when I first played it. <laughs> All right, so I think that's enough information going in without getting too much into the nitty gritty of the actual game. So I think it's now time for you to go ahead and jump right in. Yeah, I don't want to know too much more, and you told me it was, a, it was a bit of a shorter game, maybe like three to four hours if you want to get a, a fuller, more explorative experience instead of just going straight through the narrative. So, I don't know, I feel pretty excited. I've wanted to play the game for a while, and I want to see if I could at least play through the whole game. But maybe I just, I'm going to fucking hate the game and never, and never going to finish this ever again. There's so, always that possibility. There's always that possibility, so, but we won't know and you won't know until part two starts up. All right, and we're back. So, Seth, you finished The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. I did. Let's have some thoughts. Spoiler, I did. I finished it. I made it all the way to the end. I said at the beginning I wouldn't know if I wanted to finish the game. Um... I guess first... Do you you hold that true? Did you want want to finish the game while you were playing it? I guess my first thought is that this game... Oh, I really did not like this game. I hated this game. <laughs> but knowing it was a shorter game, I was like, I need to finish this so that any critique I have can be valid and can't just be shot down with, oh, well, if you just finished the game, you would have seen this. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. if you got a little bit further, you would have gotten to this puzzle that's really cool. Or you would have seen this little cutscene. Now, or moment before we go any further, this will definitely be spoiler-filled. So if yeah. you but, okay. care about playing the game or... Are you, you shouldn't care about playing the game. But this is also going to, since like I knew nothing going in and they don't really do much to tell people much about the game before you, you start up. Uh, I feel like this is also important because it's going to actually inform people on what the game is. So we could talk a little bit at the beginning. Yes. A little spoiler free section right here about what exactly the game is before we go into, uh, why it's bad. Um, (laughs) so I guess to start off, so The Vanishing of Ethan Carter is this game where you you just kind of are plopped. You just kind in, of appear. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of plop down into this uh, forest on like a railroad track. And then you follow the railroad track into this town and this mystery unfolds about why someone named Ethan Carter vanished. Spo- I mean, spoilers. Someone. Spoilers, it's a cult. <laughs> yeah, spoilers, someone named Ethan Carter. It is not a cult, but someone named Ethan Carter did vanish. So... Basically, the whole thing is you just kind of wander around, you find notes, you solve puzzles, and you just kind of figure out... And you trip balls. Yeah, that's... There's a lot of a lot of fun stuff in this game. A lot of fun stuff. Um, And... I guess just talking about the game, 
without getting too heavy into the story, I don't know. The the way that it's organized does feel very open because a lot of games like this are are relative are somewhat guided or at least designed in a way that guides mm-hmm, you down mm-hmm. one path. And of course, the and this ra- game is this game is visually guided. You start off with the railroad yeah, track, you, f- you go across the bridge, you go down the mountain, like that yeah. kind of stuff. Like there's a very clear path for you to take and everything. But part of the game that was a little annoying to me was that I wanted to explore everything. And, like, there, it's just open. And it allows you, and you will explore everything. Well, exactly. You kind of have to explore everything. You do a That's little bit, yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know, I just got a little annoyed because I was like, oh, man, what if there's, like, a little story thing all the way over there? And sometimes there would be a little story thing all the way over there, yep. and I, that would be a little annoying. Yep. So I, I like to find extra stuff instead of having to literally go. I like being able to explore the full place without feeling like I have to. Mm-hmm. I like finding extra stuff there, mm-hmm. but I don't like whenever... The game expects me to go every single time. Sort place. of like The Last of Us, where they do, I guess, reward you for going out of your way. Like, it adds to the story, but it doesn't take away from the story. Yeah. Like, uh, the Ishmael storyline. Yeah, okay, Last so The Last of Us, and even more so in Uncharted 4, which you haven't played yet. No, but, I haven't played that one. So, in, that one, in Uncharted, there's, uh, I mean, in The Last of Us, there's the little notes you can find from people who were living through this this kind of epidemic in the past who mm-hmm. have since either passed on or they just moved to another location. Mm-hmm. And so in The Last of Us, they'll have these notes in these like abandoned buildings and you can find trails of notes that kind of, they expand the world and fill in more of the world by telling you stories of people who lived in that one place. Would you say, this is just kind of a sidebar, but would you say that The la- the Last of Us does um, that sort of world building I guess supplemental storytelling better, or would you say something like the original Bioshock did something better? Because that game, who man? Because Bioshock, you didn't have like an Ishmael's type character in Bioshock. However, it helped you realize and visualize Rapture, and then the eventual fall of Rapture, and the people who were running it, and why it fell. I think it was cool. I just felt like in Bioshock, I thought it was really interesting the different audio logs that you'd find that explained different people who lived there and how this this kind of fall of this utopian city happened but and i mean even in bioshock infinite i felt like it was really cool Mm -hmm. but i I feel like the last of us does it in a different way where it feels a lot more organic Mm. and it feels like it's not necessary to the story so bioshock those audio logs are kind of necessary because otherwise you're just left with this very you're in a broken down city underwater. <laughs> yeah, and like there's like some story there, but it's kind of necessary to understand everything. Mm-hmm. You have to get those audio logs to really get everything. But with The Last of Us, the story it has is incredibly well told and it's 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 complete. But the world around it has all these different stories that you can find that make it feel full. Lived in. With The Last of Us, they I think what makes it different is that there's a genuine sense of discovery to it whenever you find these notes and whenever you find out these different things. Like, everybody remembers the Ishmael story, I think. Because, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, but I think part of it is just the the discovery of this and you thinking, like, oh, man, I'm the only person who knows about this story. It kind of took a step forward in the Uncharted sort of, like, treasure hunting yeah. aspect of it and everything, where you knew going into a Naughty Dog game, you know, right after Unchar- all the Uncharted games, 
you knew to go out of your way to find these sort of treasures. Well, yeah. they went a step further and they incorporated these little story elements. Yeah, and they still have like little little relics and not I guess not relics isn't what they're called, but they're just collectible things you can find. They're just the dog tags in The Last of Us for the the fireflies. But Uncharted 4 does kind of a combination of both, or at least it takes The Last of Us system of having collectibles and notes. And it's really cool because obviously in Uncharted you're going to be going to these very like storied locations that are sometimes mythical. Um, so there's going to be a lot of not just history of when it was made or when this place that you're trying to find was used, but also the history of people trying to find it. And so you're going to have notes of all these people that were there throughout time instead of just in the one time period when this place existed or was thriving. And so Uncharted 4 does that and it has like different notes and different storylines. Sometimes the continued storylines throughout the geography of the location and sometimes just the one-off, the one-off note. So all that to say. Back to Ethan Carter. Back to Ethan Carter. So environmental storytelling in Ethan Carter. I don't know. I mean, you find notes and everything. It kind of fills in a little bit about where you are and informs where you are. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not even the same as like, I guess Gone Home is a bad thing to compare this to just because Gone Home is literally a study of one location. Again, they're both part of that walking simulator. Well, they're both part of the walking genre. simulator, and I hate I hate comparing them, but you're going to run into that kind of comparison oh, just because it's really the only thing you have to hold on yeah. to because it is a relatively newer kind of story being told. I guess the best comparison would be something like Everybody's Gone to the Rapture where it is a full town you're exploring, mm-hmm. and there are multiple characters at play and different groupings of characters and stuff like that whereas uh something like gone home you're just in one house the whole time learning about one family and it's a really interesting kind of study of a location and the different ways in which that location can be used because you'll learn about different things that were done in different places in the house uh just different activities that happened and also how each individual member of the family kind of interacted with different areas of the house the people in the house and all that. So you, you grew very, you had a very intimate relationship, I guess, with that and the family and the house. But with something like Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, there's a lot more space at play and there's a lot more characters at play, it feels like. But I think it balances it well and I think that it does it a lot better than Vanishing of Ethan Carter. But again, these are all very different games. Yes. They're just all grouped together because they are, again, part of this, this walking simulator, relatively new genre bubble. I'm trying to think what else we can say about this game without getting into the the story. I honestly think now is an appropriate time to get into the spoiler territory just because it is so difficult to just tiptoe around what needs to be said. Okay, so this is the spoiler section. I'm going to give you uh, like five more seconds to get out of here. Um, But I will say you should not turn it off because you shouldn't actually care about this game. You really should not. Um... I think you should play this game. If you if you do have a PC and you, you do have a VR headset, I think this would be a fun game for VR. That said, it's just it's a fun game to see. It's no, just a fun game. No, I, I feel, like it. I feel like actually feeling like you're in this world instead of having a screen in front of you containing this world is the worst possible thing. <laughs> this world is... Mm, okay, spoiler section. So this world is the absolute worst thing in the world. <laughs> It is the least filled out world I've ever seen. I know they said like, oh, there's a real small town, a real desolate place. There are like two It's like there are three locations. <laughs> yeah, there are about two houses. There's three. the bridge, there's the cemetery, and there are the houses. Yeah, there are like two houses. There's a church, there's a dam, there's a bridge. But I'm just saying like as far as this being a town and a place where this is supposed to take place, this story that you're exploring and figuring out as your detective, there's 
about one family that lives there. Is there are there any characters outside of the one family? No, it is just the one family you experience. So like there are no cars in this place. The only transportation is a railroad. There's no grocery store here. Like how do they live there? Oh, okay. So any <laughs> It's rural Wyoming. <laughs> I know it is, but like how do they exist? Which I guess this is the time we say like okay. they don't exist. Let's Let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. This is all in Ethan Carter's head. Yeah, so Ethan Carter is this child, the youngest child in a family who likes to write a lot of stories, and he dies. He dies in the end. This entire story is made up in his head. And how does he him die, though? coping with him dying. I don't remember how he's dying. It's probably cancer or something. His, no, his house is on fire. And he's like dying. Oh yeah, he's the. Oh yeah, he's the. In the very beginning, in the very first puzzle that you find, the guy who dies in the fire mm -hmm. set off. Yep, it was him. He died in the fire, and this is all his brain. Yeah, his. This is all his neurons blowing up. I don't remember how the fire started, but it's just like he likes to write a lot of stories, and you find them throughout the map. And so this they're what one, guide the puzzles. Yeah, so this one is basically him him thinking of a story or like writing a story in his head as he's dying of smoke inhalation and the story is of it's of some mystical detective you're a super you're like a detective with supernatural abilities and you're just trying to figure out what happened to this kid why is yeah. he missing yeah, why ethan is there carter, why is there a was there a dead body on the train tracks without its legs ethan carter wrote to you saying hey come to this town and like i don't even know what he said but you were called there. me you were called there because of Ethan Carter. So then you go, walk down the train tracks, there's a body, there's, uh, like, bear traps. There's bear traraps everywhere, there are, uh, pit, there are pit holes, there's an astronaut. There's an astronaut. There's an there's astronaut, like, is the be that's honestly the best part of the game, There's a witch, though. there's also a scuba diver, did you know that? Yes, I did. Yeah? Yeah, okay. I did find that one. That was yeah. my second playthrough, though, I didn't find him the first time. That was my first, after I finished the game, I was like, I'm so close to getting the 100% of the trophies in this thing on Aaron's account, I might as well just It's do not it. hard to do, you just have to go into every single corner of the game, yeah. which isn't saying much, but it's still a task. Okay, so, I think this game is, the, like, the most contrived piece of shit that I've played. The game literally begins with a warning of, hold on, I have this written down. Oh I want to get God. the quote just exactly like, right. So the game begins with a black screen and just the words, this game is a narrative experience that does not hold your hand. Those pop up. And essentially, it... Okay, what do you have... What What is wrong with those words? What do you have wrong with that? I just don't like whenever people brag about, like, yeah, this is a pretty challenging game. Like, I don't... It's just... It kind of reminds me of something like a Dark Souls. But that's exactly what we were talking about in the very first game. We were talking about... Or the very first part of the podcast, we were talking about how there's a difference between, like, a Dark Souls type of game, where the game is actually, like... It is making an effort to impede your progress. Mm -hmm. It is actively trying to make sure you do not go forward this game it's a bit more experimental in that way you have you are you're told to explore every single everywhere it's not the words i have a problem with it's the fact that the words preceded this game because yeah you could say something could say oh this is you know it's a pretty uh it doesn't hold your hand it's a pretty experimental narrative so you're having a problem that this is touting itself as a game and it's yeah. really more of a tech demo it's like not even a tech demo it's just it's not even finished i guess is what i'm saying is that a tech demo is flashy and has presentation to it 
and this was almost not made for people to play because this is the most like the landscape is incredibly sparse like there's nothing there you have to you're walk. telling me you didn't stop once just to look over out at the lake in this game to look out over the mountain to look out over the dam i know i'm saying that looking out over the dam and the lake and the mountain don't progress the narrative and they don't add to the narrative at all yeah it looks good and everything. yeah because looking at giraffes in last of us definitely progresses that narrative no okay well that's a moment that is earned and it's a moment of rest that is needed after the winter chapter of the game that preceded it whatever i'm just saying that this game it's like not experimental at all and the actual world that you're playing through is one that feels like i don't know why anyone would want to live in this world Let's Why would the one family that lives here <laughs> want to live here? And the game writes itself out of any kind of critique. Because that it, is that is the one big problem that I do have with the game. The no, way, because the kid is dying, and it's all a story that he made up. So like, you can't critique the game because you're like, oh, well, it's just you it's can a kid. you can explain you can explain away any problems that you have in this game by the fact that the kid is dying in the end, and this is him coping with that, or his brain just miss like the neurons in his brain firing off as they die because of lack of oxygen. You can explain it away in all these different ways. That is the big problem that I do have with this game. Yeah, so the game says it's a narrative experience that does not hold your hand, and that narrative experience includes flashes of like, or it includes sections of the game where the screen goes black and white and there's this incredibly wide angle lens that's put on things and everything is just flashing at you and this witch comes on yeah you're talking about the entire witch section yeah the witch section like it just you randomly get warped to another location that you don't know where it is and this witch is talking about like i don't know just witch stuff and then (laughs) like when you're in this cave you can go down to this this cavern maze where you have to find all these bodies to get teleported up to this I guess the standing area in front of a humongous portal. Mm-hmm. And then whenever you get all these bodies up there and you somehow decode the puzzle of where they're standing and what symbols they're standing on and how to arrange symbols on another thing to coordinate with that, the portal opens up and then this octopus squid thing comes out and floods the town. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly the town is not flooded anymore after a little bit. And then when you're in the forest, we said there's an astronaut. Yeah, there's like like a stoplight almost that you have to touch. Oh, yeah, certain... the computer screens you have to touch in a right order. Yeah, you have to touch in the right order. And then out of nowhere, just a spaceman appears. Then you chase it and yeah, it teleports a little bit further yeah. and it guides you. And then you finally get to it and it just like abducts you into a space. Like... And then you go to space. Yeah, you like get taken into an escape pod and get shot up into space and you're there and then you're not anymore. It just throws you into all these different things as part of a narrative experience. And then at the end, it's like, oh, well, like, first of all, it didn't matter. And second of all, like, you can't say it didn't make sense because what a kid thought of as he was dying. <laughs> and there's a difference. Okay, the reason I have a problem with the the preface to the game of narrative experience that doesn't hold your hand is that there's a difference between trusting the player and letting them figure stuff out and not explaining everything to them. Like, that kind of letting go of the hand of the player. There's a difference between that and drowning the player and refusing to reach out a hand to lift them up. And save them. What do you mean by not by not reaching out a hand? Like I don't I don't understand that critique. It's like you're it. just getting waterboarded with things <laughs> that don't make sense. You're literally drowning in all this information that is incoherent and you're just confused the whole time. And the game never no, you're not being like the you're game. not being drowned by all this like stuff that doesn't make sense. You're trying to piece together a puzzle. You're going around, but then at the end, you're told the puzzle is like incomplete anyway, and it doesn't matter. Okay, let's not even let's not let's 
take the end okay oh my goodness take, you can't even you separate, can't even separate you can't separate the entire work from the end that's why because I'm it's so, part of the work that's why i'm so frustrated with this game is that it's like it touts itself as a narrative experience but then the narrative doesn't make sense and then you're left with this gameplay that like is cool in the moments that you're playing these different puzzles mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. but then actually like first of all you have to run everywhere and it takes five minutes to get somewhere and then you realize you're in the wrong area and you have to go back Oh. Just for the record, it does not take you five minutes to get No, it anywhere. doesn't. It will take you maybe a few extra seconds. I don't know. All right, so what was your favorite puzzle in the game? Because you were talking earlier about the like portal jumping sort of puzzles. It's kind of... It's not like... I don't. Whenever I say portal, don't think of the game Portal by Valve. Well, it's you're going through these little. Hold on, doorways. you should like explain what the full situation is before you just explain the puzzle. You come into this house and then you read this note, and after you put the note back down, you see there's a doorway in front of you, but inside the doorway is like a blue, blue haze, like blue light type stuff. Yeah. So then you pass through it, and then you're in this hallway with a bunch of doorways, and each doorway has that portal and that blue portal in it as well. And so then you go over to it, and it has a room inside of it once you get up close to the portal. And what you can do is that you can you can change what the room looks like and cycle mm-hmm. through a d- bunch of different options for that room. And basically, the puzzle is you... You have to go through the portals in the right sequence. And no, it's not the right sequence. You have to find out, like... You have to figure out which room is w- through which doorway in this house's floor plan. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out, like, okay, I'm at the corner of the house, so the room that opens up to the left isn't going to work because there's going to be a wall on the left on the outside. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to figure out what the floor plan of the house is through these portals as you cycle through the different options of the room that could go on the other side of that doorway. And I thought it was a really interesting puzzle because... I mean, it took me a while to figure out exactly what was happening. Cause I oh, could, no, that was the, it took me the longest time to figure out that puzzle. Because like, I had to go on GameFAQs and figure this no, one out. No, I figured that one out on my own. There, I did end up going to like an IGN wiki or something like that to figure out a walkthrough for the rest of the game yeah. at a certain point. But um, that puzzle, I don't know. After a while, I started figuring out like, oh, whenever I go through this doorway, uh, the room on the other side is the same. And like as I walk through it, the screen turns blue. But whenever I go through this one, the screen turns red and it teleports me back to the first room in the house. So I kind of had to figure out, like, oh, I could, like, cycle through these. I have to figure out which room's on the other side. I don't. I thought it was a really, really interesting puzzle that I hadn't seen before mm-hmm. in anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, really, the only puzzles are, are you finding all the clues or all the artifacts for this, like, an event that happened in a certain location. And whenever you find all those, then all these different instances that led up to the event that happened in that location Mm -hmm. kind of appear as like projections or holograms and so then you have to figure out which hologram of an event happened in which order that led up to the event in that location so basically like one example would be uh someone getting murdered and laid out on an altar Mm -hmm. in a -hmm. church graveyard and so then you'll see like someone coming up and asking like hey do you know where my son ethan is to one of like the church employees or something like that and then someone coming up behind him and punching the guy in the head and then stabbing him and then dragging his body and then just all these different things. And so then you have to figure out what order those things went in and put like the number of what it, which order it would go in that sequence onto that one. And then you can watch them play through in whatever order you choose. And then obviously whichever one you get correct, it leads up to the final event of someone getting laid out on the altar. And then it has one final event that happened. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that story's or the puzzle's cool, but it like, I've just seen stuff kind of like it before. I don't know. Yeah, it's not a new idea, but it's definitely one that 
it makes it much more fun, I suppose, in the way that you're having to follow it. Like, you're literally moving your character around to all these different events, and you're trying to figure it out, trying to get it, trying to get it in your head. I had to use, like, a piece of paper mm-hmm. in some of these puzzles and, like, be like, okay, this is what this happened, this is what this happened, and just try and figure it out that way, like, rearranging the little pieces of paper in that order to figure it out. Really, I only had trouble with the first one where it was the guy getting laid out on the altar, but then all the ones after that, I was kind of able to to figure out, like, oh, this person went and picked up, uh, like, a pickaxe from this area, and then he had the pickaxe in this one, so obviously that one's going to be after him picking up the pickaxe. Just stuff like that. I don't know. The other ones of, of the sequencing of events, those kind of puzzles, were pretty easy to me, but that first one was so frustrating. And especially, like, because I had trouble finding all the different artifacts going mm-hmm. into it. It was frustrating and not really in a way that made me, like, want to keep playing or really want to solve it. Like, I wanted to solve it just because I was like, I'm just, I'm done. I don't want to play this puzzle anymore. It wasn't so much of, oh, man, I really want to know what's going to happen. That's another thing is that the story of the game, it felt like it was just disinterested in all of the characters in it. Like, I didn't have a reason to care about anybody. Like, Ethan was just a little brat. His brother was just, like, bullied him. His parents didn't care about him and anything. And then... The weird, creepy uncle and grandpa. Yeah, then there was that. I don't I just didn't care about any of the characters. I think it would have helped. I think it definitely would have helped if they actually had a voice acting department it sounds like the way the game it does sounds is like they just got random people in the office and some kid who miraculously was like the best part of the game him and the grandpa were the best voice actors in the game yeah they were the best voice actors and they were the only part of the game that in the end like the story was kind of interesting with Mm -hmm. them but it just seems like the story or the people that wrote this and made this didn't care about the characters so when i was trying to solve these puzzles that revolved around characters doing things and inflicting things on each other and figuring out what order these things happen so that you could figure out like exactly what happened, who did what to whom, and I guess figure out a little bit of the story. It just, I didn't care because I didn't care about the characters. I wasn't like, oh man, this person was the one that like put the dude on the altar. This dude is the one that stabbed him. This person was the one that, that locks somebody in there with a pickaxe. Like it, there wasn't ever that oh shit moment yeah exactly it's not that i need a twist because oh this game gave me a twist (laughs) oh it gives you a twist this is like (sighs) this game is kind of like the way the game ends is very much like lost no it's not not, i like lost ending i oh my god we have so many issues i like lost ending this game (laughs) oh my god (laughs) it felt like it was just made for fight club fans who okay okay uh back to the characters before i say this the other character in the game is you as the detective, and he's not a silent protagonist. He's not a silent protagonist, he just but says, you are, you're playing a narrator. Yeah, exactly. You're playing a narrator who says all of these just completely meaningless little one-liners about, like, the true nature of man and everything. Now, do you understand why I thought he was, like, a, a thriller writer? No, he did sound like a thriller. He f- sounded like some like, noir detective, and that's all the kid who thought up the story in the end. That's, like, all he watched on TV. So it makes a little bit of sense why this yeah. guy was so shitty. But that's, like, the most... That is the biggest excuse mm-hmm. that I... It just... It doesn't feel like a narrative point. It feels more like an excuse and, like, an apology. 
Well, not an apology, but just them brushing it under the rug and being like, oh, man, that was pretty crazy, right? You forgot about how boring this game was, right? <laughs> you forgot about how mind-numbing all of the story was up to this point, right? It's a beautiful mind-numb, though. Well, I guess. But, okay, so the game feels like it's made for people who just love Fight Club because of how it has... Hold on. I wrote something down. Okay. I got some notes before, here. Before you so, go... Before, hold on. Before you go for any further, explain to the audience your... I don't want to say disdain of Fight Club, but just your just your ambivalence towards it's Fight not, Club. It's not Fight Club because, like, in because we both kind of share this. Because, like, sense. I haven't watched Fight Club in a while. I loved it a lot in high school, as as high schoolers and middle schoolers do. Exactly, that's the thing is that high schoolers and middle schoolers like it, but it just breeds this kind of. It it's breeds this, this weird machismo that goes into it. Well, it's, it's this that, weird... but it's also this like oh, real cinema. It's like just this. What I wrote about the game and how it relates to Fight Club is that it it feels like it's made for Fight Club fans who like Fight Club because of all these dark, edgy, and unfounded but seemingly true generalizations about like humanity and life and society and the decay of society and the true nature of man. Like that's what it feels like. So Fight Club, like the reason that I don't like it is because it breeds this kind of first of all, like it's, it's very it's very much of the 90s and like the edgy yes. like alt masculinity it's definitely of the 90s in that looking back on like 90s sort of i guess entertainment i don't want to say pop culture in general but definitely entertainment in books movies and music there's this definite feeling of floating like in the 90s music movies i don't want to say pop culture but just the entertainment consumed in the 90s especially in the late 90s like well you know a few years after the fall of the soviet union there was this definite post-history feel like oh we've won capitalism won soviet union's dead we're post-history united states is best the world's gonna become this free democratic just one country kind of kind of feeling behind things and so you got a lot of movies like american beauty fight club you got seven just this weird sort of just listlessness and hopelessness behind things mm -hmm. in that you're not there's not a drive for anything it's like well we've already gotten everything so what do we fight for yeah there was that definite feeling and, it was, and then you know millennials came around and ruined it for everyone once, once fight, fight club once fight club got in the hands of millennials it was done it was yeah, over just because like i don't know this game just feels like it's just all these things being thrown at you and it's supposed to be like this you're supposed to just have this epiphany of like oh man this is crazy it's just like there's cult in this game there's witches there's like this kid whose parents and brother don't like him you know it, it feels like it's not even made for this time i don't know it just feels like something that some freshman thought up in when he was high in his dorm room looking at his like fight club and bob marley posters on his wall i don't know it's just it's frustrating because the game is centered around you figuring out this narrative and figuring out how this is going to work and then there are little gameplay segments but then some of those gameplay segments rely on you wanting to find out what happens next mm -hmm. or, or wanting to get to the next part of the narrative when honestly, like, part of it was just me not wanting to play it, and part of the disdain, the disdain I have for it is that I made myself finish this game so that I would be able to come on here and say why it was bad. And I figured that, like, there would be something toward the end of the game that I just hadn't experienced yet that you'd be like, oh, if you'd only finished the game, 
then you know about this part, and you should totally finish the game because it's going to make you like it. Nope. I figured there'd if be. If you finish I, the, if you just quit the game in the middle, I would have said, "Man, you're like one of those people who stopped watching Lost in season four after they open the casket and you see John Locke's body back in L.A. You should have stopped while it was good." I feel like if I stopped, then there'd be something that would make my criticism unfounded. And lo and behold, my criticism is well informed now because. <laughs> The kid is dead the whole time, and the whole game just... The reason I just... There's not one specific reason I don't like it, but if I can try to boil it... <laughs> this just feels like... This is just the anti-Seth game. Yeah, I guess so. Just because every part about it just feels like they didn't try, and it feels... It's so self-congratulatory, and you know that when they were making this game, they were like, oh man, this is going to be crazy. They're going to have a hard time figuring out this puzzle. Oh man, when we tell them that the kid was dead the whole time... That they were trying to figure this stuff out and the kid was dying as he thought up the story that you're playing. Like, whoa, man. They're going to go off the rails for this one. I just, like, it feels so self-congratulatory and it felt that way from the very beginning when it said this is a uh, narrative experience that does not hold your hand. <laughs> it all goes back to that opening It all goes title. back to that because that summarizes everything. That's the first thing they put in front of you when you play this game. And it, I don't know, it's just not a fun game. It takes super long. I got frustrated because I needed to hold my hand. There are no guns. There aren't any guns. No, gu- uh, there was a grenade though. So when there I- is, there is the grenade. So when I finished up the game and I was like, "Man, I have like ninety-two percent of the trophies on here. I might as well just finish it up, try to platinum this thing." Even though there's not a platinum, there's not a platinum, man. not a platinum trophy. Astronauts. If I, you had, if you had a platinum, I'd give this game a ten out of ten. But there was like one trophy that I had left of. It was a hidden trophy, so I had to go look up what it was online. Just making me work for it. They didn't hold my hand with that one either. No, don't hold the, your don't hold your hand. When I try to platinum it, so uh, I went and it said you had to like get a grenade that you find, which actually I found it when I was playing through the game. I found this grenade, which it looks like an acorn or not an acorn, a pine cone, mm-hmm. and then you pick it up and you inspect it, and oh, it's a grenade that you're looking at. It's like oh shit. So you just have to go on the bridge and throw this grenade into the river. And then you go down to the the dam uh, and to the bottom of the dam. You go to the the kind of this calm riverbed, and you see a scuba diver dead with a sniper rifle. That I guess the story is that you killed it with the grenades. I then guess it, that's cool. It just washed up on the river, which I thought that was actually kind of funny. And then you pick up the <laughs> sniper rifle and you get a trophy for it. So I don't know. I mean, congrats! You got a hundred percent trophies on this game, Aaron. No, I mean that's okay. I mean, you're just a you're a real experimental gamer now because you got. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. You got a hundred percent trophies. So if you made it this far, just listening to me say the same thing over and over again, congrats. Um, I guess I want to turn this back around on you because you're, okay. the, per- you're the one that wanted me to play. this Yeah, game I wanted you to play this game, and you're the person who who. You know, you, you recommended this game, and I've heard a little bit about the game before, so you kind of gave me an excuse to play this game that mm-hmm, I've been wanting mm-hmm. to play. So what about the game do you really like? Because obviously, I mean, you know my opinion mm-hmm. by this point. We talked about it a little bit before, and we talked about it for 36 minutes now. <laughs> well, maybe 30, 30 minutes after that non-spoiler section. Uh, yeah, after the non-spoiler section. So so what about the game do you really appreciate, and, and what's your opinion on it? I went into this game completely blind. I had no idea what I was expecting. Um, the first... Just going into this game where it opens you up to just kind of like freely explore whatever you want. It it was fun. I found out a few of the puzzles. Uh, I didn't complete the first puzzle in my first playthrough. The I just The uh, traps. Oh. Finding all the traps. No, oh, no, no. We're yeah, going all the way back so, to the beginning on this one. Yeah, when you're first dropped into the world, you're like in this little kind of 
clearing in a forest and you're on the railroad track, but you're right before this big bridge with the railroad track on it. Mm-hmm. So Aaron told me that whenever you're dropped in the game, you can go whichever direction you want. It doesn't tell you you have to go this way. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to run all over. And then I noticed there were a few like bear traps that I'd set off. And whenever you, walk- how do you not notice these traps? They're very blatant in front of you. Like you see this giant like spike ball come right in front of you. How do you not it. notice that? Uh, my TV is like five years old, and the darkness <laughs> on it is so bad. Like so- there's literally a trap that's like a spatula, like bent backwards, and then you just let it go, and it flings forward nope. with spikes on it. How do you not notice that? I mean, I noticed it afterward when I dodged it. All right, because I was speed running that thing. You're speed running Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Yeah, Good so when you. It, then you walk up to one, and there's, like, this little thing that pops up that says, like, touch or see or something it's like something that. something like that, yeah. So then you just hold down the button it tells you to, and it kind of, like, this portal opens up with different mm-hmm. pieces depending on how many traps you've set off. You have set off, like, five. Yeah, you have set off five, and then all these pieces of these portals come together and then you get taken to another version of that same opening area. But, but instead it. of grass, it's skulls. Really? Yeah. Damn, I didn't even notice that. No, it was like skulls and bones all over the place. I didn't even notice that, but then you, Oh my god. You, you're like you're dropped in and there's a note in front of you about I don't know. A I don't house know. burning down, a yeah. man like burning down a house and stuff just because yeah. he can. Which that actually I guess does tie into the end of the game, because that's literally what happens. That's what happens to the kid. Um, but the reason the Really quick also, so you're dropped in front of a railroad tunnel. Did you go through that railroad tunnel? No, I didn't. If you go through it all the way to the other side, you're just like spat out the front of it again and you get a trophy for it. Oh, wow. Because I, I literally tried to escape the world at one point. I was like, I want to leave. <laughs> like, Because game... it doesn't allow you to jump off a cliff. Yeah, it doesn't. And like, you could just avoid puzzles, like you said. So I was like, maybe I could just avoid the story. Like, it does. it's a narrative experience, you know? It's a narrative experience. It's my experience. Yeah, my experience. Like, what if my narrative that I want to build right here and I want to construct myself is leaving this godforsaken town? Never coming back again, but then it just spits you back out. Nope. What got me was the second puzzle with the astronaut. Because you're walking through this forest. That one I found way late in the game. Like, I found that one when I was piecing together, like, the railroad crank. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Like, I figured that out after the dam, I think. Oh, the railroad crank one might be one of the hardest ones, just because you have to go out of your way to find this fucking crank slash murder weapon. Yeah. Yeah. To get to figure out what to do with this decrepit railroad trolley that in no way, shape or form should be working. This thing is all rusted out and like got vines growing out of it and everything. No, but you put a crank on the front. You spin it like five times in this humongous like railroad. Like chitty chitty bang bang. Yeah, it just works. It just works. But the second puzzle where you find the spaceman in the middle of the forest. Like it, it was one of the weirdest and most exciting game experiences I've ever had. See, I feel like that's where we we parted because I found the spaceman way late in the game after I was already so fucking done with this game. <laughs> and then I, the I, spaceman just sets you off. Well, like the squid thing where I opened up this portal and this underground maze and a cave where there's this there's all these decrepit like bodies that look like they'd been soaking and just decaying in water mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then one of them is walking around and like can scream at you and kill you yep uh so after you go through that maze you get all these things and you figure out the puzzle open up the portal the squid comes out then he floods the town and then you teleport to another location in the town where it's, the town's totally fine yeah it's totally fine it's all fine so i did that and then i was like 
mm, I gotta finish this game just so that I can talk about it and say how much I don't like it. And you th- see... And then I saw the Spaceman. And then that's when I just... <laughs> It really you just, were triggered by I, the spaceman royally. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I think I should have known something was wrong when I was like, "Oh yeah," and you're like, "Instead of grass, it's skulls," and you're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I feel like we played two totally different games. I feel like we did. I feel like we played two different experiences. Aaron. We played two different. Okay, I was watching, like I was watching Pulp Fiction in like sequential order you are watching the regular version you're just like what the fuck is going on but pulp fiction finds ways to tie it in aaron <laughs> pulp fiction like as much as you, you're as watching much... pulp fiction with the end of x-men days of future past it just negates everything that's come before it yeah yeah you can say that <laughs> okay but anyway so you found the astronaut great experience Found the astronaut, excellent experience. Then you go out and you find the dead body. You find you find the severed leg on the railroad track, and then you find the dead body. And then, and then I was just like, okay, I'm gonna try and solve this puzzle. And then I was just like, okay, fuck this, because I, I couldn't find the rock yeah. that the dude uses to beat him over with. So I just gave up on that puzzle completely. And then I just kept going, and it was like, oh well, you can still complete the story even though you don't have this stuff. The witch, I didn't think was all that great. It was interesting. It was weird. Yeah, it was like kind of interesting. But then I was just like, man, a lot of these little puzzles and the notes that you find and everything really just don't mean anything. Yeah. I mean, it started to feel like nothing meant anything before you're told, oh, nothing means anything because this little kid thought of it as if he was dying. But the reason, I guess, to go back to your original question, why I wanted you to play this game was that. It's very, like, I mean, I know you give it shit all the time, but the opening credit saying this is a game, this is an experiential game, it's definitely about the experiences of all these different puzzles and figuring them out and then being rewarded with just these really weird and trippy moments that you just don't expect from... You just don't expect. I don't want to say what you don't expect it from because this game is all about going over your expectations because you should go into this game with no expectations yeah i don't know i guess the thing about the game is that i do really enjoy the more experiential and the more experimental games that play around with narrative and the way you can present narrative through experience because i really like the way where people use that medium of interactivity that only really games can provide Mm -hmm. and they find ways to tell a narrative in a way where it feels like, I mean, your interaction impacts it. And that combination of interactive and narrative come together to make an experience. So I really like that. And I've played games, obviously, we've talked about it, games that are somewhat similar, that are grouped into the walking simulator category. Mm. But this game didn't feel as coherent as those, I guess, is my main complaint. I definitely get that, yeah. The game just feels split or at least it doesn't feel like the narrative is fueling the gameplay. Or at least mm-hmm. whenever I would do anything, it didn't feel like the narrative was making me want to do it. Because the other than the ending, the big critique I would have is that there's not a sense of levels. Like in video games, they're all sort of built on you go from you progress from one level to another level to another level, whether that's an actual storyline level, whether that's an actual like experience level, like leveling up your character. It's all about going from one step to the next step to the next step. This game does not explicitly have that. Mm -hmm. Looking back on it after you do complete it, you can see where like the breaks are in the game per puzzle. 
but it's not presented to you at, in that way. It's mm-hmm. very much stripped down. It's almost non-existent. You can find little hints of it here and there, but the actual sense of leveling and progressing from point to point to point is almost non-existent in this game. And that's the one problematic part of it yeah. for me. So I've already talked about games like Gone Home and Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, but again, it's it's one of the easier talking points and, and anchor points when, when, I guess, assessing this in the wider landscape of games and the the things that are being released around it and like it. So with Gone Home and Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, they're both guided experiences. You find, like, certain things have to happen before other things can happen. With But it feels like you're discovering things and it feels like you're really doing things. And one thing that I thought was really great about Everybody's Gone to the Rapture is that it feels like, even though it's guided and there are actual chapters in the game and certain parts of the map you have to, like, you're you're not really shown those parts of the map are taken there until after you've kind of completed what you need to complete to get the full sense of the story in the previous part. But one thing I liked about the game is that it felt like the player and like their movement through the landscape was the editor of the story. Like if it were a film, the editing would be done by the player and their relation to the geography of the story. Mm -hmm. But with this, where literally all narrative information is just open to you, you just have to go and find it. But you can find everything you need to. Uh, just in whatever order you want it to. I don't know. It just doesn't work in the same way. And it's not that an unguided experience can't work in a narrative sense. It's just that if you want to tell a story, yeah, this is just you like, have to have some sort of guardrails. No, but I mean, it's not even that. But it's just the story is not one worth telling. Uh, yeah. that's the bottom line for me about this game i never th- said it was a good story yeah well i mean if the game is the story and the story is not worth telling uh, and it's a uh, game you can you can separate you can separate the story from some like gameplay mechanics and some experiences i guess but i don't know just the the way that i found things and the different puzzles that you do just aren't fun mm-hmm. i don't know the puzzles can be interesting at times like the house puzzle was a really cool moment for me like when i finished that i was like oh this is a really cool game and then I kept playing it. <laughs> and then I finished the game. Yeah, it just... It felt like it's a game where you're supposed to play with a walkthrough. Mm-hmm. Like, games are inherently made for someone to play it. Mm-hmm. But you can make a game in a way that feels like you're just existing in a space and mm-hmm. you just encountered it, rather than you were presented it and said, here is the place where you can play your game. So what I'm gathering from you is that you like the idea of a sort of non-hand-holding sort of gaming experience. However, you do want the developers and the storytellers and everyone involved in whatever that game might be, a game where you just kind of exist in a world to be smarter about it. To... I mean, if the main mechanic of the game is just gathering information and piecing it together and it's more of a, like, a mental mechanic than a physical gameplay mechanic, I just feel like the information should be... It should instill a desire to play and, mm-hmm. and gather information rather than just coming out at the beginning and saying like oh well not gonna hold your hand too not, edgy for you not gonna hold your hand you should want to progress through this game and then they just make something that's like not fun yeah then it's not that i like being guided i just i want them to make me want to explore it and figure it out for myself the game presents itself like the sixth sense Comes off like Lady in the Water. 
Real Shyamalan hours. <laughs> true Shyamalan hours. I'm a, I'm a true Shyamalan fan. <laughs> true Shyamalan fan. But, I mean, I guess, like, what, I've said the same thing, like, ten different times about this game. And I still feel like I just haven't sorted out my feelings. I beat it, like, a day or two ago, and I really just... I still don't know really how to articulate mm-hmm. why I don't like it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, you you really like some of those those gameplay experiences, and you like some of the puzzles, and then, I mean, just different moments in the game are really cool, which, I mean, some of the moments in the game are really interesting, but overall, I felt like it didn't have the coherence that I wanted. So, is there anything else you want to say about the game? No, not really. Um, I just thought it, it was a fun game. Um, I can sort of look past the ending. I can't really look past the lack of just basic game design in it in you know it's sacrificing a lot of things for for it to be no hands holding whatever but it's fun it's a fun game mm-hmm. no it's really interesting and it's it's like i wanted to explore it and i wanted to figure out just what the hell was happening but there wasn't really an incentive in there yeah i just always felt like i was missing parts of the story mm-hmm. and i always felt like i don't i felt like i was finding things out of order you were finding things out of order. I know I was finding things out of order, but it felt like there was no right order to find things in. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't know. So that's my thoughts on The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. The Whose Game Since This podcast gives this game a, I don't know. A red box <clears throat> out of ten. Uh, two out of five. That's my Adam Sessler impression. I, I like that. Ooh, I got I got chills. Chills, man. I got chills. Oh, man, I miss Adam Sessler. Let me take off my hat. Is there still hair on my head? Yep, there's still some hair. We got it. We got it. But, uh, so that's it, I guess. I yep. don't know. Now, plug time. Aaron's the plug. What Do you, do you have anything you want to um, tell people about? Uh, I am at Fireside Raps on Twitter. I'm thinking about doing a podcast later on this summer. I really don't know what that would be or oh, look good. like. That's good. But, um, yeah, I'm sure I'll be back on again at some point in the future. Sure I really enjoyed this. Because I'm in, like, the worst city in the world called Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Oh, I'm sure we're going to we're gonna churn and burn through some podcasts. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do some stuff like that. Uh, well, I was Seth Shepard, the main, just the person complaining about a game in just the most circular. Not- I, really, I really wish we had a camera in this. That way we could, like, have people watching and listening. And it would be like the Frost-Kennedy debates. Or something. The people that would be watching would be like, oh man, I agreed with Seth. He's so right to not like this game. And everybody listening would be like, oh man, Aaron, he just he just sounds so much more cool, calm, and collected than Seth. Oh, and then they see you and they're like, man. <laughs> then they see me and they're like, oh my god, he's not wearing makeup. He's sweating. He's he's lying. He's old. He's an old man. Yeah. I mean, I did get married at 23, so that's got to say something about me. I guess. I mean, your life's already halfway over. My life is halfway over. Yeah already halfway there so uh the person complaining and just saying the same thing over and over again was uh me i'm seth shepherd on twitter at asap sunscreen what else let's see the intro music for the podcast is made by our friend ben at cat food party on twitter uh the cover art was made by our friend ross at- ross what are you screaming about ross i love for? ross okay his name <laughs> on twitter on twitter he's at ross with four s's then an underscore then an l I believe that's it. Sorry, I, I was getting updates about my fantasy movie league. <laughs> oh yeah, fantasy movie league. What's your what's your uh your schedule looking like? Your theater 
Your theater rollout looking like my theater rollout. I haven't filled it out because it was opened. The bracket was opened up 20 minutes ago and we've been doing this podcast for 56 minutes as of now. So, okay. Well, okay. We're just going to say it. That's a long time to hear me say the same thing.